When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome to the Barca Blood Granas podcast, World Cup quarterfinal preview edition. I am joined by Nick. Nick, how are we doing today? Doing great. No football on today, but still trying to survive and figure out what I'm going to do with my time. Yeah, uh, lots of free time on the hands now. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the round of 16. I, I actually, I just because I haven't talked to you since this World Cup started, I want to go, I want to just take a, a second to talk about every round of 16 matchup. We'll just start from the top. Uh, with something near and dear to our hearts, uh, the U.S. men's national team. I'll just give you my like quick two thoughts real quick, and then I want to hear you because you usually have some perspective I haven't thought about. I was I left this match uh, feeling two things. I felt excited because I saw a team that was capable of drawing against England and a team that I thought should have been much closer in this match against the Netherlands. Uh, I felt very encouraged. I also felt very disappointed because they allowed the same goal twice and some of the final third finishing for this team was just pretty brutal and specifically in this matchup, but also in the group stage, there were some missed opportunities. Uh, what did you feel coming out of the, the U.S. men's national team loss to the Netherlands? Well, um, I don't know. I've, I felt I've, you know, I've been following that team very closely for the last couple of years, but especially from the World Cup qualifying all the way through today. And I do feel like uh, there's really two different like ways that people have been looking at this team. On the one hand, people are like, you know what, considering the fact that they didn't even qualify for the World Cup in 2018, the bar was extremely low about what you had to do to have a passing grade for their performances um, in this World Cup. But in my opinion, going into it, they were always an incredibly talented team. As someone who follows international football, to see all these Americans playing at the best clubs in the world and playing Champions League football um, for the last year, you know, to me, 2018 is irrelevant. They didn't make it. That was crazy. But I really felt like they had the talent to go far, certainly to make it out of the group and to get to the knockouts. And in my opinion, they had the talent to do what Morocco did and maybe even get to the quarterfinals. So watching the Netherlands game, um, you know, I saw a team that was naive. I don't think they were naive because of their age. I think they were naive because of their coach, basically. And I think they were outclassed by the Netherlands tactically. And um, so, yeah, it is a problem that they don't have a great finisher. And they've only scored, I think, one or two goals in four games that they played. And that is a big problem. But there's a lot of teams who don't have great center forwards. So I don't think that's really an excuse. I think at the end of the day, um, they just you know, when they just got outclassed by a team with a lot of talent, I'm looking at it, they had 41% of the possession in the Netherlands and only six shots on target. You know, they said eight shots on target, but, you know, they got their shots and their opportunities exactly how they wanted them. And they were ruthless with how they put them away. In the United States, they really, you know, it statistically looks like they actually had a pretty solid game, but I don't think it was even that close. I think the Netherlands really fully outperformed them and they were never even really worried. Um. 
How do you feel about the rotation at the striker position? Because from what I understand, I, I don't follow kind of some of the details of the players as closely as you do. But what I read was that the reason that um, Jesus Ferreira started in this match was um, apparently he's fast, has great holdup play, and he had maybe his fitness was recovering a little bit. So maybe that's why he wasn't the primary striker heading into this World Cup. But he was the third striker that had started for the U.S. in four games. Uh, do you think that were those were tactical choices, or do you think Greg was just throwing, just throwing darts at a wall, hoping that one of them would perform well? Yeah, I think that Greg Berhalter is an interesting coach because he'll make you think that everything is tactical, that he just has this brilliant mind, and that he's thinking about things in ways that nobody else can think about it. So in one game, it has to be his Ferrer, and the next game, it has to be Josh Sargent because he wants that pressing. Um, but at the end of the day, I think in his mind, he really is trying to think tactically, but I don't think it's that deep. I think the issue in this World Cup, the reason Jesus actually played was because he didn't bring the right players to the World Cup and he was stuck with them because Josh Sargent got injured. But what was crazy is that he was riding with Jesus Ferreira in every single game this year. So the fact that he didn't feature in any games in any minutes before that game is just, once again, Greg just not knowing what he's doing in any given day and doing strange and random things. All of a sudden, Tim Ream was playing and he never had a single game leading up to the World Cup and now he's the starter. So there's no real rhyme or reason for why anything happened. But to me, I would draw a parallel with Spain, not that there's a lot of similarities between the United States and Spain, but he just brought the wrong people to the World Cup and then he was stuck with what he had. And in a game like this, he could have used, you know, Ricardo Pepe could have been great. Jordan Pifak could have been a, a great option, certainly better than Jesus Ferreira. And, uh, but in the end, Josh Arger got injured. He refused to play a false nine. Maybe Gio Reyna would have been more interesting in this game as well. So well, it was going to be either Haji Wright or Jesus Ferrer. And Haji Wright had a lot of opportunities that didn't look good. No. So maybe it was just give it to the next guy up. All right. Uh, two final things on the U.S. men's national team before we head out. I thought I was surprised when Cameron Carter-Vickers started the match against Iran. I was uh, pleasantly surprised when he actually performed really well. Uh, why did he put Tim Ream in for Cameron Carter-Vickers to switch things around at the back? In the last game? I don't, to me, the big question is why did he start Cameron Carter Vickers against Iran? I think he should, Cameron Carter Vickers should have been the starting center back pretty much alongside, um, well, I would have said alongside John Brooks, but he's not even around. But I think he's given his performances with Celtic. He's been fantastic and probably one of the best defenders in the Scottish uh, Premier League. So uh, I was surprised to see Greg finally get it right, which was interesting. A lot of times he actually did finally get it right. It's almost like he listens to all the criticism from fans and pundits. And then uh, we'll randomly get it right every once in a while. But then Walker Zimmerman is his guy. And I think he just went back to the person who's his guy, his favorite, and didn't even consider the fact that Cameron Carter-Victor had a great performance against Iran. And you probably should have ridden the, the hot hand. Maybe it's a different game if he's the one in the game. To me, Zimmerman looked shaky throughout the tournament. Um, last question, I promise. Uh, Gio Reyna played about 55 minutes at this World Cup. Uh, I think... Like that was kind of the big talking you put online, right? As you have this talented attacker who's on the bench, uh, the team looked inconsistent in the attack. Hence, you know, why are we not playing this guy? Uh, was there a system that he fit into on this US men's national team where he should have been the starter? Or do you think that Greg played that properly? I think at the end of the day, a really good manager will say, who are, what is the talent on this team? What are the strengths and who are the best players? And how do I build a system around them? Gio Reyna, to me, is the best player on the team, hands down. I think he's even better than Christian Pulisic. Now, you could, none of us really know what his fitness is like because he's had so many injuries over the last year, but I think you find a way to get him on the field. 
even if it's on the wing, I, maybe the 4-3-3 in this whole system that Greg's been playing just isn't good for the talent that he has, but you put him on the field. Absolutely. Um, one of the hard things was the midfield is probably the strength of the team. Um, but at the same time against the Netherlands, like there wasn't really chemistry, but they were good at, you know, give, I, I love Musa. To me, Smith is probably my favorite player on the roster, but uh, he didn't have great chemistry with Weston McKinney and with Tyler Adams. So if you put Gio Reyna on the field, you have a different type of midfielder as well. But to me, I think it was shouting out for Gio Reyna playing as a false nine or even Brendan Aronson playing as a false nine um, and seeing what that gets you, especially when your actual number nines were so much like worse in quality, the gap between them and the others, that there's no point in having them on the field. Oh. Except for Jeff Sargent. I think he really does add certain qualities when he's on the field. Um, but the others, I just, I don't, I, I don't see how you play them over Gio Reyna. Yeah. All right, I'll, let's fly through some of these next ones because they're they were kind of blocks. Uh, do you have any prevailing thoughts from Argentina, Australia? Um, I mean, Australia surprised me a lot. Just that they were so so strong in every single game. I thought they were honestly the worst team in the entire tournament coming into it, one of the worst. So the fact that they got so they were so good is, um, you know, what a great tournament for them. And they had and a I chance to tie it at the end because Latoro kept missing, and I, there was a I can't remember when the save happened, but it was I think in maybe stoppage time where Australia almost scored. Yeah, absolutely. They could have. And Argentina's kind of been playing with fire in this tournament, and yet they have so much quality and I think so much cohesiveness. And I think they like each other a lot. I think this coach has done a good job getting them to rally around. And uh, they could honestly like sleepwalk their way all the way into the final. They're pretty close to it now. Um, but it almost feels like destiny. Like all of a sudden, like Messi's hitting a stride with PSG, he's hitting a stride with Argentina. So maybe they're not, um, you know, totally blowing people out of the water with their performances, but. They're not that far away. I mean, to be honest, they beat Netherlands somehow. It could be a Brazil-Argentina semifinal. And a game like that, a rivalry game like that, anything can happen. Uh, France-Poland. To me, I, I love France. I, that is like the team that's like the team of my heart, the way that they play. I'm just so entertained watching France. And it's fantastic to see Kunde playing. This is like an amazing... I've been saying all along, how could you not have... Mbappe on one wing and Dembélé on the other. What I mean, there's no other national team or even club team that could have like two of the absolute best purest wingers. Um, and then all you have to do is put someone like Griezmann, a playmaker in the middle, and a finisher like Drew up top, and they are so balanced and so good. To me, the most like fun team to watch from a footballing perspective. Totally so, agree. And I think the like nobody's surprised by Mbappe doing what he's doing. I've been pleasantly surprised by Griezmann playing up the middle like that. I, I guess maybe I hadn't watched enough. French national team of the past that they had played him up top like that but he's been very creative and effective in that position and that's that's been surprising to me yeah and he's so creative so effective he covers so much space even for Barcelona when he wasn't scoring tons of goals it's like this guy works so hard he's one of the hardest working forwards that I've ever seen and um it's a very balanced team and they're going to be hard to beat going uh, forward England Senegal yeah I think Senegal is just unlucky I mean if they had um Mane playing they probably could have given a better run in that game. And England seems to always like find a way just when they need it in recent international tournaments. But I also think they have a way of spoiling games. So they really have to be ready for France. But, you know, England, they've scored a lot of goals in this tournament. And at the end of the day, if you can score a lot of goals, except for the United States game, which seems to be an anomaly, you're going to go far. So, you know, that's it's a good sign for them going in against France that they've got their goal scoring, scoring boots ready to go. Um, Japan, Croatia, have you ever seen... And we're, we're going to get to some bad penalties in the Spain match in a second. I was yeah. so sad for Japan at how just miserable those penalties were. They looked so scared and tentative in their penalty taking. And I mean, here's the thing. 
I'm not here to judge. If I was in that position, I would crap myself. I would probably scuff the ball, completely miss it. So not here to judge at all. But for a team that played with so much poise and didn't seem intimidated by the moment, that was just kind of a sad way to go out. It was. And I will say Japan was the other like team of my heart in this tournament. I thought the way they play is so attractive and so impressive and so technical and so brave. Um, and to me, like Croatia is just becoming this experienced team, not very fun to watch. I think Croatia to me is very not a fun team to watch at all. So I was, you know, Japan, they play well. I think they deserved more, the most beautiful jerseys of the tournament would have loved to see them in one more game, but yeah, when it comes down to penalties, it's the same thing with Spain. You know, there's so many ways you can take a penalty, but I think at the end of the day, if you're feeling like just not hundred percent confident, just get up there and fucking smash it. Sorry for cursing. No, you're just smash the thing, yeah. you know, just at the, at, you're not going to like, I feel like if you scuff it, like you just said, you're going to have regrets. If you're going to miss it anyway, go for power. Yeah. And uh, they didn't. And I think they deserve more because they played so well and they were the giant killers of the tournament, but sometimes it's not just not meant to be. Yeah. And I think the, you know, much has been made about because I didn't know kind of the project that had been going on in Japan in terms of the way they've been developing their academies and uh, in the country. And so that's definitely a team that has you we've seen it continually improve. And in 2026, like I would expect nothing but Japan to be a team that is a threat to come out of the group stage and a threat to make the quarterfinals. Um, yep. Croatia, I'm sure the same midfield will somehow still be there uh, somehow, even though they're all going to be 40 by then. Um, it is eternal. Yeah. Brazil, South Korea, uh, you talk about France being the team of your heart. Where was this Brazil when they lost in the Copa America finals a couple of years ago? I, I'm very confused as to how a team in two years can go from looking like they did in the Copa America, which was kind of a team that just looked like more sluggish or sluggish, I guess is the word. And now they're one of the most thrilling football teams I've ever seen in my life. This was like, I think mm -hmm. they scored four goals in the first, let me like 36 minutes. Uh, it was pretty ridiculous. Are, are they the favorites for you or would you still say France are the favorites? I think they're just, and I, I feel uh, to me, it's one and two. I would be surprised. I mean, anything can happen in the semifinals, but they really should be based on where the best teams are playing the best, the two teams in the final. I'm just looking up real quick uh, who was on the field that day. Okay, so when they played Argentina in the Copa America final, they didn't have Vinny Jr. on the field. They were playing um, Everton, who I really don't not very familiar with Everton instead. They're playing Fred at the time. So I think Lodi was on the field, Daniel was on the field. I think in, in a way they do have slightly more creative players. And they were playing a 4-3-3. Now they're playing this 4-2-3-1 with Neymar in the middle. And I think this is as opposed to Neymar on the wing, maybe that is a slight like a big a change that's making a big difference and making them more creative. And Rafinha is playing now as well. Yeah. So I think they are less pragmatic than they were two years ago. I think they maybe built up that confidence to that dominant World Cup qualifying that they had to get in first place. But you're right. They are extremely expressive, and that's how it should be for Brazil. And they're another fun team to watch. And uh, um, team of the tournament, it's time to actually play the Brazilian way and to play pretty and to have your confidence up there and to do the dancing. I think that's what we all want to see. Oh, from it's, them. it's so much fun to watch. And I think like the crazy thing about this team, right, is you talk about uh, you mentioned some of the players that were playing for them a couple years ago. Like the depth of creativity they have now, like they didn't even play Anthony in this match. They brought Martinelli off the bench. They they bring Rodrigo off the bench. Like the amount of attacking depth they have is pretty ridiculous. And then you have um, mm -hmm. Casemiro and Paqueta in the middle, just holding things down. It's a very fun team to watch. Uh, yeah. And again, South Korea, incredible tournament. Uh, pretty again, pretty sad way to go out, but a very impressive tournament for uh, 
Asian teams and South Korea was like, obviously they had the incredible group stage where they came back in the late in the match and um, took the the group over Uruguay in second place. But uh, and shout out to Danny Alves too. Yeah. Shout out to Danny <laughs> Alves too, somehow uh, yeah. against all odds. Um, he's yeah. getting to the point though, where like, I guess he didn't start in this match, so that's good. And as long as they stay healthy, he won't start. So that shouldn't be a problem for them. Um, all right, last two matches. Uh, I'm going to table the Spain-Morocco match, so we can talk about that in a second. Uh, Portugal-Switzerland, uh, a match that I was I initially was excited to watch. I thought it was going to be a great battle. Uh, as it turns out, it wasn't. Uh, Ramos with the, I think he was the second youngest hat-trick uh, next to Pele in World Cup history, uh, comes in for Ronaldo. And just gets the just the Benfica man just goes off on a tear like that first goal. Can you imagine what kind of confidence boost that is? Like you come in for Ronaldo, and then in the seventeenth minute you score that type of like class goal, uh, and it just set them off. They were they were off to the races after that goal. Yeah, it's. I think moving past Ronaldo is really important for Portugal for actually just to see like how good this national team is. Um, I look back at just like how is it that. You got Benfica and you've got Porto and then you've got um, Lisbon. All of these teams that come out of um, Portugal that are just lighting it up in the Champions League. There is a depth of talent. And it seems like every year and every transfer window, you know, especially in January, everyone from England and Spain, but especially England where all the money is these days, is discovering a new Portuguese talent and bringing them over. Um, there's so much talent in Portugal. And to give someone like Gonzalo Ramos a chance on the world stage to show what he can do, I'm not surprised. Um, it seems like every single time Benfica these days is having a new player just come out of nowhere and be one of the best players in the world. So uh, Portugal, once again, you score goals like that and you get your lineup right and took something happening with Ronaldo in the background for the coach to say, you know, it's just we're not our best team with you on the field. It's got to be, you know, a different lineup. And then you you, know, you have all these other players that we know from England that are just amazing. Um, and I feel like we haven't even seen the best of Bernardo Silva yet. Like, no. I, I don't know, this system probably doesn't express him as well as the Manchester City system. Um, but he's a guy that I, you could just at any moment can have like a stint of world class uh, interchange play with somebody and make something happen. And so the fact that they're able to and same thing with Jal Felix, like he's had a couple good moments, but he can also do incredible things that he, I feel like he hasn't done so far. And then to be able to bring yeah. off the bench, Rafael Leo, who scored a great goal, Ruben, excuse me, Ruben Neves, and then even. Ronaldo can score one header if he plays five minutes. Like the the depth of talent they have is pretty incredible, like you said. And I think they were definitely a team I personally underestimated. I just didn't. I just kind of thought they were going to be the old man Ronaldo show. But for them to bench him and to see like what it's like to play with a proper number nine, uh, yeah. you you see the the fluidity of this team is crazy. Yeah, young and youthful. You really need that. And by the way, we didn't even mention Joao Cancelo hasn't even been. I don't even think this Portuguese coach is getting is playing the best players. I think just. To me, Rafael Leao should be on the field as a starter. To me, like, how could you not play Joao Cancelo? I think he's the best fullback in the entire world right now. Yeah, I was shocked by that. And they're still not doing it. I mean, Dalo is great defensively. He's been awesome recently. Guerrero scored a goal. But you're right, the depth of talent. But you got to play the young guys. I think that's also what it comes down to as well. You can't play Ronaldo because in the world of football today, it's modern, it's fast, it's strong. And when you get that energy on the field, crazy things can happen. You can score six goals against a good Switzerland team. Um. All right, let's just talk about Spain, Morocco. Um, <clears throat> I started off this World Cup 
obviously they had the seven zero destruction of Costa Rica. Uh, very impressive, clearly. Obviously, everyone, I was surprised. I didn't think they had that sort of goal scoring in them. So all of a sudden in my head, I'm trying to recalibrate where I class Spain in this World Cup. Uh, and then they just, they looked like the inferior team against Germany. Honestly, I thought Germany should have won that match. They had chances late that they didn't capitalize on. Then they mm -hmm. lose to Japan. And we're thinking, okay, you know, they didn't necessarily have to win the Japan match, whatever. Japan played great. And then they complete a thousand passes and they have one shot on target. And the same old Spain problem that they've had for the last few years still exists. Uh, why do you think you, you, you kind of alluded earlier that you thought that perhaps some of the wrong players were brought. Is that kind of how you feel? Definitely for the forwards. I mean, for the midfielders too, I would have loved to see a Tiago coming in late for Spain. Okay. You can't break a, a team that's sitting in a low block. You didn't even bring Tiago on your roster. And this is one of the most creative midfielders in the world who can give you something different. The forwards are another story altogether, though. Um, these are just not modern footballing forwards who are going to be able to do the things you need to do. And when Nico came in, you finally had one on the field who could do something different, get down the wing, put in crosses, which is really what tactically you're setting yourself up to, to, here, to do here. But there's so many options you could have brought with you. You could have brought Adama Traore, who's a specialist, who at any given moment could have um, given you something different and unique. Um, Morata has been great. You should have played your number nine. You're playing Asensio there. I think Luis Enrique made a lot of mistakes with his player selection, who he brought to the tournament, and then who he ended up playing. And I think, yeah, in general, there's something about the Spanish identity that's going to have to evolve because the world is leaving this whole like possession for the sake of possession behind. And Barcelona is going to have to learn the same lesson as well because they're the ones who are also having troubles moving past it. But even so, with that identity, there were other players who were better to put on the field who could have helped you. Ansu Fati, extremely few minutes, but that's another player who is different, who when you needed a goal in a tight space and he's proven it time and time again, you know, could have been a clinical finisher for you and made a difference. I was just stunned that after all that he saw on the group stage, and again, I love Luis Enrique. I actually think he's a really good manager, but I think he miscalculated. Honestly, I, I kind of like all of their positioning and stuff, except for the attacking three. Like, I literally prefer Morata, Nico Williams, and Ansu Fati over the three they <clears throat> excuse me over the three they played. Like I'm stunned by how much time he gave Almo, Asensio, and Torres in each one of these games when you immediately saw a difference in play when you brought Morata on, when you brought Fati on, when Nico Williams came on, and they just they always just waited too long. And it, yeah. I mean they they had the time and <clears throat> excuse me. Going, getting over a cold in this cough is just not going away. They had the time in this match to figure things out, and they didn't. And then in penalties, again, I kind of thought the same thing was going to happen with the Croatia match. I thought, okay, this is where the underdog, they might you know, get a little tense. And uh, one, I was confused by the penalty order. Um, yes. But two, just like for a team that apparently practiced thousands of penalties, uh, again, just looked kind of lackadaisical, not as lackadaisical as Japan, but still pretty poor penalties and to go oh. out on a whimper like that with the players they chose to take the penalty kicks was just kind of crazy to me why is Busquets taking a penalty that guy has never taken a penalty in his life I mean come on wouldn't you want Ansu Fati wouldn't you want Morata to be the first two guys to take a penalty the, the, the your best clinical goal scoring players Carlos Soler it's like I don't know sometimes you, you see I like Luis Enrique too so that's why this hurts a little bit um, I just think he, and even good coaches can get it wrong in, in big games or even in an entire tournament. 
Uh, sometimes you're so smart that you overthink things and then you kind of double down on whatever your thinking was. And in this case, I think that's what it was for Luis Enrique, but they look scared. And the difference between Morocco and Japan is that it's a different style of play. The Moroccans were just, you know, the entire time, how many goals have they conceded in the tournament? Four games, two goals. They're strong. They're just got this, like, whatever fire in their belly has carried them this far. And when they went up and took those penalties, they were confident. And uh, the Cinderella story for them continues. And it's not an accident. You look at their roster from top to bottom, very balanced, extremely talented and good in playing in huge leagues around the world. So um, I guess that's going to be a good game against Portugal. Um, Let's I think talk about Portugal the more success because they're going to be more creative than Spain was. No, yes. And so that's perfect. Let's talk about the, the Portugal-Morocco match. Um, I think one of the things that is going to be the most fascinating to me is how how Portugal decide to defend Hakimi along his side of the pitch. Like typically Jao Felix has been on that side. Um, I don't think that would be the side that Cancelo would play on, right? Because he plays on the right, typically. At this point, he's not even played in the last two games, Cancelo. So I know, I but I'm saying like be... if you're going to put him in for like, because I guess he would probably be the oh, player yeah, I'd yeah. want to have the physicality against Hakimi. Yeah. But I think he plays on the opposite side. I think Dalo would be the one. If you want someone who's strong and just defensive-minded, I think you put Andalo on that side. But Joao Cancelo is so interesting because he plays left and right. Like, he's one of those fullbacks who's just could be anywhere. Before Portugal destroyed Switzerland, if you had asked me Portugal against Morocco, I would have said toss-up. I guess it's hard after a performance like you saw against the Swiss to think any different. But Morocco is obviously, I think they're better defensively structured to defend against how Portugal played. Uh, yeah. If you had to pick a team, though, that you favorite, who would you pick? Portugal is usually a very pragmatic team. So which Portugal is going to show up? They are the better team. I think they're probably, along with France, one of the most talented teams in, in the world. So if they take it to Morocco, I think Morocco is going to have a hard time keeping up. If it's a little bit more open and it becomes like you have to play now Morocco, they have Ziyech. They have a lot of great players as well. I love seeing Abde come on. I think he can do some damage. Uh, but no, it's it's in Portugal's hands. If they come out and they play strong and they play with you know courage and they open up the game, I don't think Morocco can keep up. But if they're pragmatic, I think Morocco will do what they did against Spain and they'll have a good chance of winning. Croatia, Brazil. Is there any reason why I shouldn't think Brazil is just going to win this three one and walk away with it? They just have to be a little bit more you know respect their opponent in Croatia. I think if they don't respect Croatia, Croatia can be patient and have a moment of brilliance. And I think Brazil is the type of team that could melt down if their back is against a wall, which they haven't experienced yet. But I would go out there and just have fun and be loose and, you know, do what's gotten you this far. It should be Brazil, but definitely need to be wary of the fact that Croatia has great players and can make something happen on any given day. That being said, taking out Croatia's match against Canada, uh, because I think, unfortunately, Canada, were, besides Qatar, probably the worst team of this World Cup and yeah, how, how they played. Um, Croatia scored one goal in the other three matches combined. Uh, that's the problem. Like, I think mm. like their midfield is good enough. Like, you know, chain smoking Brozovic can run 10 miles. Modric can have moments of brilliance with his passing. I just don't see a scenario where they score more than one goal. And that's, that's the problem is like even Brazil on a bad day is probably going to put up at least two. Yep. That is a very good point. Um, and yet, you know, all it takes is one moment of Modric brilliance, which he can do mm -hmm. in one game, even if the pattern hasn't been in their favor recently. So, yeah, that's a really good point, but that's probably like Brazil should pretend like that didn't happen and assume that the best version of Croatia is going to show up. Yep. Um, Argentina against the Netherlands. 50-50 toss-up. Everyone was like hating on the Netherlands. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. They've been really good the last year under Van Gaal. Like, 
they might not be the most exciting, but they found a way to get results. So well, especially was- with the pie coming into health, like the, I think the best thing for them was they got to get the United. They were the first match of the knockout stage. They're going to have six days off by the time they get here. The pie looked great. Dumfries yeah. looked great. And now they had six days of rest against Argentina. Like I definitely agree with you. I think that's a toss up. Yeah, I think it might be a boring game, like super tactical. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's gonna be the most exciting, but I, I think it's a toss-up. Uh, let's talk about a game that is uh, definitely, I, I don't think it's capable of being boring because I think whatever way you look at it, something incredible is going to happen. Uh, England against France, probably the most exciting matchup because of the uh, the offensive firework potential. Uh, I think France are probably the clear favorites here, but England obviously have the attacking talent to get with them. Is there a scenario where uh, England doesn't somehow have like six defensive lapses against Mbappe and Harry Maguire falls asleep or John Stones falls asleep? Like, do you think Kyle Walker and those two center backs are good enough to at least uh, stop Mbappe from getting a hat trick? Well, definitely you have to play Kyle Walker against Mbappe. Yeah. That's for sure. On the one Reese side. James, I'm so sad Reese James isn't healthy because he would be so fun to watch against Mbappe. Yeah, I would love to see like England, if you had some like Reese James who can go forward, just go go toe-to-toe with them. Finally use your talent and open up the game. I think England's going to try to be super defensive in this game, even though they scored a lot of goals in the tournament. And France is going to see a lot of the ball. And ultimately, I think France is going to expose and embarrass England. I right. really think this is the game like where they're going to go into it being defensive England, but they're going to it could be like that game where finally Maguire pulls a Maguire and that you see like that their defense is just not as good is is the is the weak the part of the team and they're gonna get exposed by this incredible attacking talent from France and the floodgates could open but you know at the end of the day maybe the opposite is also true and England could surprise us I mean they're not going to beat France by a lot but they could win the game they have the talent for it but the problem is Southgate sometimes forgets that he has as much talent as he does and just doesn't use it you don't say I I will say I was impressed that Southgate and I guess part of it was due to the unfortunate situation with Raheem Sterling but he did play Phil Foden so bravo you know, needs to be on the field every time. Yep. He really does. Uh, let's see. This is probably the last time you and I, the semifinals are next week. Just, you know, looking into the future here. What do you see? Give me your semifinal and final predictions. Uh, just it's, ooh, well, it, to me, like just for the romantics, it's got to be Argentina versus Brazil, even though I think Netherlands have a good shot. So Argentina versus Brazil in one semifinal. And um, it's just going to be fantastic. Um, just to have that South American rivalry right there. And then France versus um, Portugal on the other side. I okay. think it's what it's going to be. And those will be two fantastic semifinals for us to enjoy. Um, between those two, I think based off how you've talked about France, I'm just going to assume you, you think France is going through to the final. Who do you see going through in the South American battle? Uh, I just, you know, it, it's once again, you saw that Copa America could have come down to anything. It was came down to the margins. I think the fact that Brazil is playing so much more confident kind of with confidence offensively, that it's got to be their year. And for the sake of the beauty of this game, I think a team like that deserves to go through. So I really hope it's Brazil because of how they play and the fun that they're having in Brazil versus France. This could be an insanely amazing final if we get these two teams playing at their best with confidence and just going at each other back and forth high scoring uh, who's gonna win uh, could be amazing that, you know, that could be so much better than france croatia let's be honest no i was just gonna say like uh the opposite of that would be if we somehow get morocco croatia and it's just a rock fight for 120 minutes but the thought yeah. of france brazil is i mean i i just i i couldn't think of a better a better final than that uh you want to talk about the toss-up of all toss-ups? It's that. 
if you had to pick a team to win it all, who do you like? Um, I think Brazil. You think Brazil? I, I still think Brazil. I think that it's uh, they just heard, they, they just got everything right. Like yes, they are they're attacking a lot, but they're so foundationally strong defensively yeah. this time as well. And they have the and best goalkeeper they, in the world right now. Like th- that's yeah. just something that's often forgot because they're often so like they've been so ahead this World Cup that it hasn't come mm-hmm. down to like oh they have the best goalkeeper in the world and maybe like the third or fourth best goalkeeper in the world on their bench like they're 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 stacked it's pretty ridiculous yeah I think it could kind of could come down to goalkeepers and I will take um Allison over Ubalaris any day so I think that's maybe when it comes down to the final like way of uh, comparing the two teams that's where the advantage is. This has been just a thrilling World Cup. Uh, It's going to continue to be thrilling with some of the matchups we have on our hands. So as always, Nick, thank you for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the matches, and we'll chat again soon. Thank you.